invitation of Holy Week we heard at the back of the church when we began our liturgy. And the invitation was to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And that's literally what we're trying to do in all of the celebrations of Holy Week. Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, Easter Sunday. Is that we're literally trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That when we gather at the back and this little procession that we make into the church, it's literally trying to put ourselves in the place of the people of Jerusalem who walked with Jesus into the city. And again and again, as we walk through these different liturgies, we are physically trying to take on this suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because this Paschal mystery is our Christian life. It's the reason that we're Christian. Without it, there is no Christianity. And so what I often like to do through Holy Week to try to embody that, to enter into that more deeply, is just experience the Paschal mystery from the perspective of one person in the narrative. Maybe you choose to follow with St. Peter, maybe Barabbas, maybe one of the women of Jerusalem, maybe the centurion at the foot of the cross, maybe Mary. But to experience and to walk with Jesus, following in his footsteps from their point of view, so that you can truly enter into it. This morning, what I offer for reflection is the perspective of Judas. We don't know much about Judas. We hear only a few things about him. We know that he is Judas Iscariot, which likely meant that he was the one disciple that didn't come from Galilee. So maybe he always felt a little bit like an outsider with the other 11 apostles. It's also speculated that Judas might have been part of a group that was a little bit revolutionary before he started following Jesus. A group of Jews who were trying to get rid of Roman occupation in Jerusalem. And so he had kind of that fiery spirit to him. We know from scripture that St. John tells us that Judas was in charge of the common purse. So the money that Jesus and the apostles had to be able to travel around Israel and spread the gospel, he took care of it. And St. John also tells us that from time to time, Judas took some of that money for himself. And so the temptation to greed was already in his heart. I think it's too easy to look at Judas and to turn him into the villain. We do that all the time because he is the traitor. He is the betrayer of our Lord. We even label someone as a Judas because they are a traitor. But Judas didn't just start following Jesus so that he could figure out a time where he could have Jesus die. That's way too simple. Life isn't simple like that. Judas, at least a part of him, would have desired to follow Jesus. At least a part of him really loved Jesus. So how did things all go to heck? Judas and that desire for change pushed him in a direction that he probably shouldn't have gone. One of the things that we know about all the apostles is when they were listening to Jesus preach about a kingdom and about seeing Jesus as king as we all proclaimed at the beginning of our liturgy today, they had an understanding of the Messiah and of a king that would overthrow the Romans, 
that would get rid of Herod and that he would be the true king. And now they have been with Jesus for three years, listening to him preach, witnessing his miracles, and yet Jesus hasn't done a single thing to move towards taking over his reign as king. And so if you were Judas, who wanted that from the beginning, who wanted Jesus to take that role, and he wasn't doing anything, maybe he wanted to give Jesus a little push. See, Judas probably had no concept of Jesus being crucified because the Jews didn't have authority to put anybody to death. Only the Romans could put someone to death. They were the occupiers. They were in charge. So when Judas goes to the Jewish authorities to betray Jesus, it's not likely to put him to death. Probably to shake him up. Jesus, see how much resistance there is against you. Do something. Show them your power. Because those who come to arrest Jesus are not the Romans. It's the Jewish authorities. They come. But the moment that Judas starts to see that the Jewish authorities are trying to push to have Jesus put to death by bringing him to Pilate, he immediately feels regret. He tries to bring back the money that they gave him, the 30 pieces of silver. He tries to bring it back to the Jewish authorities, feeling that guilt and that shame for what he'd done. And then he takes off. In the Gospel of Matthew, it alludes to the fact that he might have gone and hung himself. In the book of Acts, it says that he died later and that where he died is called the field of blood. So what was Judas's experience from the Last Supper? Knowing what he was about to do, but being in the presence of Jesus still, still thinking maybe in his heart that he was doing the right thing, trying to push Jesus in the direction he thought he wanted to go anyway, and yet things getting carried away. That he came to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he came and he went to kiss him. Why? Because that was the sign of respect to a rabbi. He hadn't lost all respect for Jesus. He didn't hate Jesus. But he lost his way. He got taken by his greed and he got taken by his mentality of needing to push for this revolution. And then the rest followed. Where was Judas when Jesus was on the cross? What was he experiencing then? Where was Judas on Easter Sunday? Had he died already? Or was he still so locked in his shame that he couldn't allow himself to be forgiven by Jesus and to experience the glory of the resurrection? I think we could probably all identify with aspects of Judas at certain points in our life. Choose somebody to journey with through Holy Week. If you've never been to the whole Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, if you can handle it, Easter Sunday, follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make this idea of the Paschal mystery real in our life. Because that is the gift given to us that is intended to change our lives as Christians. The forgiveness of sins and hope in eternal life. 
enter into that this week. This is the most intense and the most gifted time of prayer in our whole church here. Not Christmas like a lot of people think. This is the time where we set aside the rest of our life to give more time to God than we do the rest of the year. To follow in his footsteps. To follow our Lord through his passion, through his death, all the way to the resurrection.